check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Craig, Tim, and Nick. In this episode, we're going to break down the loss to UConn, the win against Georgetown, and then look ahead to the Creighton matchup and then our doubleheader against Seton Hall. Guys, how's it going? Nick, you missed last episode. It's good to have you back. Yep. Happy to be back. Um, during the break, I was uh, taking two winter classes, so it was super intense, and I had to do a presentation, so I had to miss the recording. But um, happy to be back. This past weekend, I was in Vermont with my girlfriend, with uh, Craig and my mom. It was a great time. Got to snowboard a lot. We're here now. I'm about to start my semester actually tomorrow. So after this and before this, I was reading for class and going to be reading for class after this. And I have another final presentation for one of my classes in the winter. So busy time for me. Doesn't sound like you have much going on. Greg, what do you get? I was in Vermont, like Nick said. It was uh, freezing cold in Vermont. Nick did fail to mention that the first day that we were there was negative 45 on the top of the slope, uh, top the of the su- mountain. At the summit, yeah. At the summit, so they uh, had to cl- they closed that part. You couldn't do that. But just outside for most of the day, it was negative 8. 8, yeah. But with the wind chill, it was around negative 23. So it was advanced cold, let's just say. Uh, and then we drove home through a snowstorm. So it was, it was exciting uh, coming back. It was it literally one point we were driving and you're just driving through tracks on the throughway. Apparently they don't decide, they don't plow the throughway, I guess, I guess that's the thing they do. Um, Cause they didn't, I can tell you that. And all of a sudden a tractor trailer decided that it was fine, that it wasn't snowing or five inches of snow on the ground. And he decided to try to cut in between three cars that were merging and just, just shoot the gap. It was great. It was great. So yeah, it was great. It was an excitable ride home, um, but it was a good weekend. Watched a lot of football, watched the NFL playoffs which were exciting, especially when Dak Prescott slid down to waste the time and lose the game. always like when the Cowboys lose the Giants fans, so that was nice for me. Um, and it was on Nickelodeon, which is always fun, watching the slime downs. Uh, they, those, are, those are cool. So that was me. That was my weekend. It, it, it was an exciting play. Uh, you know, really heads up by Dak Prescott. I don't yeah. want to get tackled there. <laughs> yeah, Dak went uh, full Forrest Gump. I like to run. It, that play made no sense. It was just mayhem, but... Hey, they lost, so I'm happy. They're out. Tim, bit of a rough NFL playoff weekend for you as a Raiders fan? Yeah, not the uh, not the game I wanted to see. We should have won it overall. Just the offense failed in this a couple of times. Now, it did look like the Big East refs got a little extra overtime to do the Raiders game and decided to blow whistles unnecessarily like they always do for our St. John's game. So that was fun to get a uh, a touchdown that did happen, but didn't happen, but shouldn't have happened, but was allowed. That's pretty much how they explained it. So that is how they explained it. It was pretty spot on. Usually not a good sign when the referee and crew is not allowed to do any games going forward. That's not typically a good sign. Uh, You think that would happen for James Breeding, but guess what? Here we are. No, unfortunately, he's sticking around. He's out there screwing everybody left and right. Us and then Seton Hall in one week. Yeah, he's the Will Chamberlain of refs. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we can leave that. (laughs) Vincent, how was your weekend? Well, uh, I had tested positive for the COVID on Wednesday, so I've been in my house. My wife also tested positive for COVID, so we've been locked in and hanging out, watching football, and doing lots of work. But, uh, you know, at least there were some of the fill of time. Two St. John's games and some NFL playoffs. 
you know, there could be worse times where you end up stuck in your house for sure. Let's get into the St. John's games. Oh, Nick, what was that? Sorry, hold on. No, you're good. And at least you guys got COVID together. So you guys didn't have to quarantine. You could just, you know, live your lives. <laughs> right, right. I guess that's, I guess that's a benefit. Might as well uh, get, it get it together. This, this way you don't have to lock myself in a room. That's fair. I can tell you being having the house split is not fun. So It is not. Well, lucky, lucky me then. Especially when you got a kid. But it's better if you don't get it at all, let's be honest. But yeah, if oh, you're going to. It's certainly true. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into St. John's games. Wednesday, very upsetting game. It was an 86-78 to 78 St. John's loss in overtime. Julian Champagny led all scorers with 27 points. Aaron Wheeler, another great performance, had 13 points. Pasha Alexander, though, double-double, 11 points, 10 rebounds. We'll get in, deep into this game in a minute, but you cannot be upset with the performance we had at UConn. For UConn, it was Adam Asinogo who led the way, 26 points. RJ Cole also had 19. Like I said, we did almost everything right. We out-rebound UConn 47 to 45. We turned them over. We had a plus three turnover margin, 16 turnovers. There's nothing we did wrong in this game. What Except pay the refs. Well, what happened was we got <laughs> screwed by the refs, and it, it, it always feels cheap to, to harp on losing on the refs. Except when someone calls a foul with 1.6 seconds left, they don't deserve to ref at a middle school level, let alone a college level, because there's just a time where you let things play out. Secondary, it wasn't actually really a foul. He hit the ball coming down off of a rebound, which shouldn't be called a foul anyway. But in that moment, if Sonogo grabs it and dunks it and we go to overtime, perfectly fair. That's perfectly fine. Calling a foul at 1.6 seconds left, to give them a free opportunity to make sure they get to overtime. It's just Bush league. There's, there's no other way. There's no way that's, that should be allowed. Secondarily, the reason, you know, it was the refs who influenced the game in the last six minutes, the five minutes of overtime in the final minute of the game, there were seven fouls called on St. John's, which means UConn would have been in the bonus just from that alone. There was one foul called on UConn in the same period of time. Those numbers are just tell the entire story of the end of that game. That game was stolen away from us. We came in with a lead into that last minute and we had the game pulled from our hands because the refs decided to kick in an influence. A really telling part of overtime uh, about the fouls was the one time a day Wusu drove in and there was a, 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 there should have been a foul and there was no call. And then we go down the other end of the court and Posh is just, backing down RJ Cole, but God forbid someone breathes hard, hard on RJ Cole, he gets an offensive foul. Um, so once you get that, the, the overtime was just a joke. It was literally just a joke after that. I mean, you look at the numbers, 40% from three, 10 of 25. We fixed our free throw shooting woes, 14 of 20 from the line, 70%. That's exactly what we're trying to do. We're heading, we did everything we need to do. Posh had a double-double. Julian Champagne, 27 points. Aaron Wheeler had another great game. With 13 points, they literally took him out of the game. 14 seconds to go, he had two fouls called on him in the last 14 seconds to foul him out of the game. Put, literally removed him from the game so it wasn't available in overtime. I mean, I, I hate to sound like the guy who just harps on, oh, it's the refs, it's the refs, it's the refs, except sometimes it is, and in this case, it absolutely was. We did everything we needed to do to win this game, and we had ourselves in a place to win the game, and then it was snatched away from us. 
it wasn't a perfect performance though to be completely honest let's not let's not say there wasn't anything i didn't say it fix. was i mean Please. listen we, we shot 34 almost 35 percent from the field which is low for sure i mean a day was was two for 12 from the field one of three from three and i think he didn't realize throughout the entirety of the game that they were letting him blow by him so they could block him 800 times in a row. That's correct. And, and he continued to do that at big moments after big moments or big no. He had, after having a bunch of really good performances in a row, the UConn game was certainly a low point for him. Um, I mean, he, he couldn't buy a foul at all. He like, couldn't buy a foul. I but mean, he, Cole was stuffing pockets. That's how he got all his, his fouls. I mean, that's but, true. But he, I but, mean, he was, but he was doing the same. I mean, how many times did, it, did we watch him drive down the court, blow by the guy as they let him go by, and then block him from behind? I mean, I think I counted. I think it was like six times, especially would, in big moments. That's a problem. That was not I good. Say, I would say like two-thirds of those attempts that he got blocked were just bad decisions. And then a third of them, he should have got free throws. One of the big things to think about is – we talked about the last seven minutes. We can talk about the last 16 minutes and 30 seconds of this game, including OT. Two fouls on UConn. Two. That's it. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. That's almost a whole half. I mean, you, you are right that it, it wasn't a perfect game. We had a lead with two seconds to go. Oh, no. They, they missed the shot, right? Yeah. yeah, you missed the shot. In, in no normal scenario does that foul with 1.6 seconds left get called. No, no, it, you, just, it just doesn't. You're so right. like, I'm you, not saying the refs didn't. I don't say the refs didn't. I'm not saying the refs didn't have a massive effect, and I think they did. And like you said, it's the entire game, right? Regardless of every, how we played, yeah, I mean, we got yeah. to that point with the lead, and if they don't, they don't do that, they don't take the game away from us. All, all that's true. I'm just saying I don't want to say that we did like – we had a flawless performance going in and just the rest took away from No, we, we didn't, but, I mean, you're but right. We had, we did, I, but we, I, on the road, we did enough to win. Sorry to jump over you there. No, you're, you're on right. The, I mean, on the road, we did enough to win, and the rest took away from us. A day, Wusu had a bad game, and, you know, shooting 35% is bad, but it's just – it's hard to say, you know, this team blew it when they didn't. They had a lead with two seconds to go. Yeah. I mean, you know – yeah, did, did they have a – were they down by a lot of points at some points during the game? Yes. Did we have to come back to get there? Absolutely, but they did that. And, you know, it's a, it's a quad one opportunity for us. They were 15 in the net rank. That's a big opportunity stolen away from us there. Plus, momentum-wise, you know, sure, we had a loss to Providence the week before, but we had a win against Paul, right? A win against UConn here really would have stepped it up heading into the Georgetown matchup which we won, obviously. So, you know, getting those back-to-back wins and then heading into our now harder part of the schedule with Creighton and Seton Hall, that would have been a big momentum builder. And fortunately, they didn't let it, let it turn into a letdown game against Georgetown. But, you know, that, that's something that can really can mess with your flow. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a problem. It, it was a missed opportunity, and uh, we played well enough to win, and we didn't. And the, the rest had a huge, huge portion of that. Yeah, we did see that the Big East refs obviously do worry about our tempo because Dan Hurley was ripping his team. Uh, someone dunked it, and they were celebrating. And by the time they were still finishing up their celebration, Wusu was already trying to put up a basket on the other end. And yeah. Hur- Hurley was in the uh, huddle yelling at his team, like, you can't celebrate. They're already halfway down the court. We don't have time to do this. That's Which true. really shows that these coaches are afraid of our speed. And honestly, that first half was some of the fastest basketball I've ever watched us play. 
we just went every second. There was no stop, which I think led to some of the blocks, like the huge n- numbers of blocks. But I loved every second of that first half. It was insane. Yeah, yeah the, the game fr- was – sorry, Nick, go ahead. No, 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 where were you guys at? I was going to say, yeah, the game was played at like 100, 100 miles an hour the entire time. Yeah, the, ver- the first half was very fast. It went very, very fast. It was up and down the court, and it was, it was very sloppy. I guess that's kind of, you know, they kind of go hand in hand sometimes where there was, and they, they weren't at the beginning, the refs weren't terrible. They weren't calling too much stuff. They were letting things go. And, you know, it was fast paced still, well, not, not entirely letting things go, but they were letting more things go than they were towards the end, obviously. Um, but I mean, just, we, I don't know. In the first half, like it was very fast paced and it was like our tempo, but we were also weren't doing a good job because we weren't making a lot of our shots, which, which is why we got a lot of offensive rebounds, but, we also got blocked a lot. Um, one one thing I saw, I saw, I forget where I saw it, but it's a uh, Posh, Mathis, and Wusu combined were seven from thirty from the field, and they're one from eight from three. That that killing him. I mean, Posh. I'm not Posh. Obviously, wasn't the problem because defensively he was, you know, he's probably the reason why we went where where we were in the game, why we had an opportunity towards the end where we were up by the end. But offensively, he didn't do great at all. He didn't miss Neither. shots. Yeah, I mean, he was four from 13, and he was over four from three. I mean, he's not a three-point I mean, he scored right 11 now. points. Yeah. On, on the, 13 shots, though. Yeah, so the thing is, with Posh Alexander, I think we, and I just the collective we as the St. John's fans, think of him as being our point guard, so he should be a scorer. I, he's not that, right? I mean, he's a defensive assist guy. I think he's more likely on any night to get a double-double in assists and steals than he is on points and rebounds. Now, he happened to get points and rebounds in this game. Uh, and rebounds is something he always does well, but that plays into his defense more so than his offense. I, he's he's not a guy who's going to go out and score a ton of points all the time. And, and it, he's a guy who averages double-digit points because he gets a lot of opportunities to score. It's a line a lot, too. Yeah, but he drives a lot. He, I, yeah, right. was, I don't that, I don't that's, mind. That's where he gets his points. He's not a, he's not a scorer. And I don't point, want him to be a scorer, but I also don't want him to take like 13 shots a game. <laughs> yeah, when you have the ball in your hands the most, you're going to sh- shoot the most. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Also, though, Vincent, to your point, though, about him driving, I think it was you said that maybe a mid Nick, but um, he wasn't getting the foul calls because we weren't getting the foul calls. So that kind of goes back to your point of the rest because he didn't get to the line. Those right, shots, he only those, shot four three free throws. Correct. Those shots end up as misses and not foul calls, and then he doesn't get to shoot the free throws, and that's why his point numbers are down. Uh, so there's something to that. I'm, I'm, I, Bosch was fine for me. Uh, Adewusu and Mathis struggled on this game, and they're key for us. You know, it, they're we're, we're undefeated the, when Mathis scores double digit points. Right. Mathis and Adewusu are key for us. If they when they do well, we if they play really well, we're very good. And if they don't, we struggle. And doing, even though they did not play great in this game, we still did well, um, which was is big. And like you said, we put ourselves in a position to win on the road, which is all you can really ask. Um, and it got taken away from us. And we also need to talk about, I think, enough about the rest for a little while. Let's talk about the players. Uh, Aaron Wheeler, I think, did a – his renaissance over the last week continued at UConn. Uh, and that was a big storyline in this game. He gave great minutes, um, thirteen and seven, and like that's. I mean, he, that's he even he even he even continued that on Sunday. We'll get to that when we talk about Georgetown. But he he's a guy. You're absolutely right. Who's come on full fledged, and it, 
just to go back to a day looser for a second, it's 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 ups, it's upsetting that he he only had six points. That's his first game not in double digits since December third. The entire month of December, he had every game he had double digits. So I mean, he's a guy who, like you said, is key to us. He's he's our he's really the third of our big three, right? Mm-hmm. So he didn't show he didn't show up in that game, but we were still in a place to win. Yeah, which I think goes the points to the rest of the team picking us up when we're down, and we got enough guys to do that with, with guys like Aaron Wheeler. I mean, it's a good sign. It, it's a good. It's not a good problem to have, but it is nice to see that when Mathis and Adewusu take a step back, there's other guys like Wheeler who can step up and, and get us back to where we need to be. It's just one other guy who I thought made good time of his minutes was Omar Stanley. He only had, he didn't have big numbers, two points, two rebounds, but 15 minutes. I mean, he, he took up a lot of time for us, which is something we needed against Sonogo because Sonogo was just a, was just a banger down low. Right. I mean, they were blocking the crap out of us the whole time. So Stanley is a guy who, who hadn't been doing great or hadn't been getting a lot of minutes. He got a lot of minutes in this game or more minutes than he had in the past. And I thought he played well enough with them. Yeah, Soriano got in foul trouble at the beginning there, so it gave more time for Stanley and for Wheeler. Um, I do want to go back and say that I did say that I don't want Posh to take 13 shots. But I, I, I do want Posh to take 13 shots. I just wanted to make more of them. But <laughs> I just want that on the record. Um, but, yeah, I, I really had a great game. And then, and you, as you said, um, so did Omar Stanley. I think Omar Stanley had an even better game during Georgetown, which we'll get to in a minute. But one thing I do wish, uh, I kind of wish towards the end there when we were getting in overtime, when it was foul after foul, and it was got to the point where you realized that we were going to get a foul called on us every possession and that we were not going to win this game. I wish uh, Coach Anderson would have gotten a tech. I wish it would have went crazy. Maybe like, you know, spark the team somehow. I feel like that was a moment where like we needed like an emotional shift. And like that could have been it. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want you do at the at point you do want people to get that. I kind of want it. Like, you do. There's times where coaches fan, you know? coaches' jobs is like, okay, at this point, I need you to. I need you. I as as a fan, I as a team, I need you to show us that you're with us in a sense, right? That this is this is we're getting robbed here, and that's not Mike Anderson. He's not that guy. He's not that gonna go out. Now he's gotten texts in the past. He did last year. But Nobody he's not, he's not, he's not, yeah, that's true. He's not the guy who's going to flip a switch like that, right? I mean, on the, the other thing I think is comparatively in this game, Mike Anderson and Dan Hurley are opposite sides of the spectrum. Dan Hurley, from the minute the ball is tipped, he's freaking out because they lost the tip, right? So he just goes berserk the entire game. So it would have, I think it, Mike Anderson was in a harder spot almost because he's so much calmer that in order to get a tech, he almost would have had to double overreact just because Dan Hurley's a nut job. Yeah. Yeah, Dan he Hurley he, was he pretty much threw a temper tantrum trying to take his jacket off. He always does. And he looked like a toddler that couldn't get his arms out because he didn't know you take one out at a time. It's not a hoodie. That's his game. I mean, that's what he does. But we also had Anderson rip the refs after the game against Providence. And obviously that means nothing to these refs at all they well, probably they, looked at they it like, let's us. do worse they hate us they've hated us for years and i don't know what it is anderson's they, definitely one they got of guys, it against us even though we were 
losing in overtime. He doesn't want to put points on the board that we don't have to yeah. uh, count against. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't like that game. Yeah, but I I kind of agree with Nick in terms of we were going to lose. I could. I could. Yeah, this is the first minute of overtime. The game was over. I can tell you that for sure. When we didn't get the call on Musu, and then they got the offensive foul call, and they made a layup and a three pointer, and we were down how, by seven yeah. points. The game was over with four minutes how, to go in, in overtime. It was over. How about so, that? Where they knocked down Wusu one end, no call. Back the other end, Cole gets tapped on the hip, foul call. Go back the other way, Cole rips Pasha's jersey, no call. And then undercuts Mathis on a drive. From yeah, that, that was that's what I mean. That that sequence was the end. Once that happened, Mike Anderson could have got double tech because we were the game was just, over anyway. Just, yeah, just, I mean, it would have been nice. It would have been nice to see yeah. Mike Anderson get fired up. I know that's not who he is, and I know that's why we like him so much is because he's not that guy. Uh, but every once in a while, it, it, it would it would be nice to see him just or see anyone with all due respect just rip James Reading's head off for being an idiot. <laughs> Wow, yeah, I mean, I don't know what we did to that you guy. Know how, I know you know we, how, I don't know if we didn't let his kid go into St. John's or something like that. We didn't give him admission. Um, but he no, it's not just us though, because he screwed Seton Hall same week. That's same true. exact yeah, week. That's true. Later he's on, not, but he's a he's a certain well, 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 hard well, for St. John's. Well, and specifically Mathis, by the way. Well he, well, he, he, he was he was part of that Marquette game, but he makes a bad call at the end. Uh, but he, well, he okay. brought, he's, on the, he's on the staff, which means he got to talk about it, which means he, yeah, he said, yes, that's well, correct. He, 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 he everybody around that whistle. Blow the whistle. It was a terrible call on the Seton Hall Marquette game. The referees in the Big East have hated St. John's for a while now. I don't know what it is. I think it's because we play so fast and we have we have a certain swagger about us, right? I mean, we have a certain... There's New York, a, baby. That's it, right? So they hate, City. I, they hate us because we're New York City guys. And, you know, we're not nice about it. We're going to tell you you're wrong to your face. And I think that's why they don't like us. And it's been apparent for years. I mean, years you could see where we've get more. We'll, when there, there's a question about whether there's a flagrant foul, you know we're getting the flagrant foul. When there's a question about whether there's a technical foul, you know we're getting the tech foul. It, I don't know what it is, and it's never getting any better. So we're just going to have to deal with it at this point. I do think Mike Anderson has the reason he doesn't freak out all the time and get texts is because he try he's trying to correct that in a, in a way he's trying to be a nice calm even guy which is who he is uh but yeah no nick i'm with you 100 him getting a tech there in overtime would have been great i don't know lavin, if that's true lavin was a lavin was a calm easy guy i mean then mullen was crazy but, but i mean lavin was like, a nice guy in the world as you said nick yeah he doesn't he never worry in a second no, I was going I mean, to say exactly what you said. Lavin was the nicest guy in the world to referees, and they still didn't give him sh- yeah. anything. So, um, well, yeah, but well, I, there's there's a difference between being the nicest guy in the world and getting stepped over, and being Mike Anderson, who's a uh, you know a long time college basketball coach, never had a losing season, one of three coaches in college basketball who's done that. There is a respect that comes with being Mike Anderson. I mean, there is. Yeah. So, like you know, at a certain point, if if he's going to get on you and be like, dude. What are you doing? You got to look at yourself and be like, "Hey, what am I doing here?" Well, because they're not. I mean, they're not yet. But the whole so he's got to remind him. Well, I, I'm with you. I said I said he should have gotten taken overtime. I think it's a marginal move because he hasn't been in the Big East. He's not used to the Big East refs. So I think we'll get there. But I think he's he you know he's part of not getting a tech there is because he wants to I guess redo the image of you know the St. John's team is going to be people who tell you you're an idiot to your face after every game when you make a bad call which you are but 
I, that's that's just my thought. I, I, that's why I, that's the only reason I can think of why he didn't get the tech there. The biggest refs don't even want to hear from the fans. They'll probably tell you to get thrown out by one of the ushers if they uh, don't like what you say. <laughs> Not even anything bad. Just like you know, you suck. It does happen. It does happen quite a bit. One, one quick thing. After was it two or three horrible free throw games in a row? I can't remember if it's two or three. Seventy percent, fourteen for twenty. That is what we need. We don't want to be below seventy. We didn't lose that many points off the board, so it was nice to see that. It was. We'll live with seventy percent. I mean, obviously, one better, but we'll we'll live with seventy percent. Yeah, it's nice to see that we're heading in the right direction in terms of the free throw shooting. Yeah, that was one thing of momentum that we uh, finally got over the hill on, and even though we did lose this game, we came back being down almost the entire game, came back right last second, took the lead, finally went over that hump. And I think that helped us take momentum into Georgetown. All right, so let's talk about the Georgetown game. Great win, first Big East Garden game, 88-69 to St. John's victory. You guys had joked, you know, Georgetown – surprise at the garden played well in the tournament last year well that didn't show up at all in this game Champagne- i was just nervous i was just nervous okay all right yeah sure champagne led all scorers with 25 points but four other johnnies in double digits Posh and wusu both had 17 mathis had 11 and wheeler had 10 aaron wheeler's come on like fire we touched on it against yukon but 15 points against providence 13 against yukon and 10 here he's been on a roll and he's a piece coming off the bench for us who, you know, can just add on to that total. St. John's already the highest scoring team in the Big East, and it's because of the fact that we get guys like Wheeler and then Mathis, Adewusu, to complement Champagny and Posh Alexander. Leading scorer for Georgetown was Caden Rice. Caden had 19 points. Georgetown struggled, and Georgetown is not a great team. I mean, six and seven coming into the game, left six and eight. The only thing we did bad in this game where we were out-rebounded. We got out-rebounded 39-32. to 32. Great job on turnovers, plus 11 margin. We turned them over 21 times. 22 assists on 30 field goals, which is just spectacular. Um, almost 73% from the line, 29, uh, 21 for 29. This performance is – the first half may have been the best half of basketball we've played all year. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I agree with everything. <laughs> uh, it was a great performance all around. Um, Wheeler continued to play well. Uh, he didn't shoot really well, actually, on Sunday. Um, but when you watch him on the court, he just brought a certain energy and um, he, he played well. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to quantify it, but he did help. When he was on the court, we played better with him. Uh, I think in the post, Zach Brazil wrote, talked talk about him. Um, spreading the floor for us and, and giving our guys more opportunities to drive. And I think that's true. Um, and I think it's important for us and he gives us really good minutes and his, like I said before, his Renaissance has just been very important. It will be really important for this team going forward. Um, Posh Alexander probably had his best game of the year. Um, almost well, he only one turnover with seven assists, six deals, six rebounds, 17 points. Nine of ten from the line, four or four from the field. I mean, all around tremendous performance from Posh, uh, and exactly what we 
That's what we, when we think of posh, this is exactly the posh we think of. Yeah, and then you got Julian, 25 points, six rebounds, three steals, 25 points with no threes. That's uh, that's pretty impressive right there. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Yeah. 0 for 2 from 3, which is not great to see, but if you're going to yeah. score 25 without it, you know, I guess well, you don't, I guess it's not a big deal. Usu was there for, he was 4 for 5 from 3. And we also had Coburn showing, which was uh, exciting to see again. Yeah, he didn't get any stats, but, you know, got 10 minutes to play. Nice to see him back in the mix. He's a guy who, you know, is supposed to be the three point shooter for us. So hopefully he can come back in and get that going for us because. We did shoot well in three pointers against UConn. We shot forty percent, and then here against Georgetown, it was it was thirty nine percent, seven of eighteen. So, Steph you know, Smith no, shot well. What was that? Sorry, sorry. Steph Steph Smith shot well. He was two of three from the three point line, and that was good for him to be back on the court too. He gets fouls called on a lot. He, <laughs> I, 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 they don't like him. He's Canadian, I think. That's why. <laughs> Better Canadian. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Well, we go talk about so the rebound margin that really sucked to see, but having eleven turnover difference that's uh, eleven defensive rebound yeah. possibilities. So you can't be too upset about the losing the rebound battle when you when your assist to turnover ratio is two point two with with twenty two assists and ten turnovers only. Yeah, and thirteen steals. It's also hard to rebound balls when you make them. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> fifty fifty two percent from the field for the Johnnies. Yeah. It also looks like we are starting to tighten up our uh, rotation. Nywe, three minutes. Coburn came in for 10. It looks like with uh, the renaissance of Aaron Wheeler, it looks like the minutes are starting to really focus on him. And then the center minutes are going to be flipped between Soriano and Stanley now. I like using 10 guys in a game. I mean, that's the style of play we do. We, you know, we run up and down the court. We should be using 10 guys. We should have 10 fresh legs, I mean, five fresh legs. You know what I mean? It's a good thing that, I mean, you know, some of them got more time down the end because we were up by so much. But, if, you know, they held it down. Yeah, and Omar Stanley looked great. I mean, he had one really nice possession where he turned it over on one end with a bad pass, immediately went down the field and literally stole the ball out of the hands of Georgetown. Uh, just the hustle there, uh, you know, obviously he's a guy who doesn't get a ton of minutes and wants to make the most of them. He saw he made, he made a mistake there, so he bounced back right away, got on it. He had a really nice game, I thought, against he, Georgetown. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the stats don't really show. I mean, the stats showed on the, on the uh, non-scoring side, but, yeah, he, he had a great – he did have a great game. By the way, also, Vincent, you were making fun of me about uh, worrying about the Georgetown guys. I said last week that there was going to be a guy who doesn't shoot well from the three-point line who goes off against us. Dante Harris is a 30% free three-point shooter, three of six from three-point land. Dante Harris is an exception because he was the leader of that Georgetown team last year. So I expected him to do well. Don't, don't think fair. you get extra credit points just because you think you need to make up for it, okay? You were incorrect. Just live in your wrongness <laughs> because no one did it, and we won by 20 points, which was spectacular. It was good. It was good. I mean, look, I wasn't hoping for it. I was just afraid of it. Another great thing about the game was you saw Julian Champagne get a little hyped at one point. He got that and one call and he was, you know, yelling at them. So he was, you know, yelling and everything. You saw him smiling, saw him laughing. It's not something you always see from Julian. It was, I was, I was, I took note of it and he, I thought it was, it was you know, it, was it, really it's funny hyped. you say that, Nick. He, he, he was excited when he hit the three against UConn. Yeah. 
And it kind of seemed like, to your point, he carried that energy over in the Georgetown game because he was, like you said, more hyped up than I've seen him be in the past. Yeah, St. John's Georgetown in the Garden, you know, something something about that game. That's basketball history right there. Every game. That's true. I was I was surprised about who's who's free throw shooting one for four. He, he has a nice soft stroke, so I was very surprised by that. But four, four, like I said, four for five from three, six for eight from the field. And the guy walked away with Chick-fil-A on Sunday. He did a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he pulled that off. I saw the picture of him with Chick-fil-A. Where do you get that on a Sunday? Those they're closed everywhere. It's funny. Yeah. That's that's the day you always want it the most. Is that is that weird? That's it. Like, no, of course, because you can't every every Sunday I'm like, you know what? I can go for Chick-fil-A. And then I'm like, oh, it's Sunday, I can't get it. <laughs> Hopefully he didn't have it left over from Saturday, because that's a little gross. Yeah, you don't want that. We also shot free throw wells again, which was nice to see. 72% from the field. 21 of 29 after having such poor performances in our first two big East games, these past two big East games have been really refreshing to get back and, you know, kind of get on track here on free throws as a team that drives a lot, as a team that hopefully gets to the line a lot, that's going to be important down the stretch. And, you know, we've been hitting them lately. So that's good. That's good to see. Yeah. Like Tim, you just said, uh, Wusu was one for four, but it's good because Julian and Posh made up for it. Julian going seven for nine and, Posh going nine for ten. So, yeah, Nick, you missed it uh, last episode. I compared Posh's past two games of free throw shooting to the collapse of Nerdine Lindsay, <laughs> and I was I was worried. I was like, either he's just having really bad luck, or it's just it's not working anymore. Don't wish that and upon him. Don't say that. No, no, I was just saying. It's like, hey, it could be either one. Don't put that in the universe. <laughs> and obviously, nine for ten is not that kind of uh, outcome. Just looking at this game from a 30,000 foot view, the important thing we asked, it was a great performance all around, got us back on our feet, but we're now two and two in the big East, which is important. That was also the important thing um, going into a very big week for us um, to get back to even make those game We could not lose on Sunday. And they yeah, it was a must win. It was a must, must win. win and we won and we won and we took care of business. And we're, now we're two and two right in the middle of the pack. Um, plenty of season left to go for this team. So um it was good to win, good to get so keep the momentum going. It's a good performance at UConn, win against uh, Georgetown in, in dominant fashion, and now, you know, heading on into Creighton, and uh, we can make some noise. All right, let's look ahead to that Creighton game. Creighton coming in ten and five on the year, an important in-conference game as they're also two and two on the year. They're coming off back-to-back losses at Villanova and at Xavier. They were supposed to play Providence, but that game is postponed because Providence is on a COVID pause. The two big guys to look at for them, Ryan Hawkins leads the team 13.4 points per game. And Alex O'Connell, he's someone else to watch out for, 12.5 points a game. They also have two other guys who average in double digits. This Creighton team is going to, I think, be a good matchup for us. It's going to be a telling matchup as to whether we're going to be able to win games that other people think we shouldn't, but we probably think we should. Creighton is a team who struggles with what we're great at. They have a minus 3.8 turnover margin, which is something which for us is ripe for the taking. They average almost 15 turnovers a game and they turn their, they only turn their opponents over about 11 times a game. Those numbers for us are great. Our eyes should be, you know, as wide as they can be salivating over the opportunities we have here to take the ball away from them. This is not the necessarily the Creighton team of old. We're used to the Creighton teams being great three-point shooting teams, teams who are always sneaky good at first, and then they're consistently ranked for the rest of the year. This is a decent Creighton team, 
but certainly not vintage Creighton. And because of that, I think with the momentum we've, we've got from a good UConn game, from a win against Georgetown, hopefully it brings us into Omaha, which is a really tough place to play. And we see these guys for who they are. And we realize, okay, this is a game that we can control momentum-wise. This is a game that we can control tempo-wise. And with our momentum, we can put ourselves in a place to win this game. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there, Vincent. Um, a couple other things on them. Like you said, scoring, they're ninth in the Big East. Um, they're middle of the pack in rebounding. Um, they're sixth in rebounding just above us, but not by much. Um, they're three-point – they are – uh, actually the worst shooting three-point team in the Big East. Um, and, and all the turnover things you talked about are all true and important, important for us. Uh, this is an important game, though. Uh, they're 50, Creighton's ranked 55 in the net. Uh, this is a quad one opportunity. Uh, we're 0-4 in quad one opportunities. We need to get one. Uh, and this is a game we can get. Uh, this is definitely, uh, this is like going to be an important game going forward. It's going to tell us, I think it's going to tell us really how the rest of our season is going to go. Um, a loss here is would be, I think, really devastating to where we want to go. If we want to be a tournament team, this is a game we have to win, I think. It's going to be really interesting down the paint with Kalkbrenner. Averages 2.9 blocks, almost three blocks a game. He's 7, 172, something like that. Tall, lanky guy. If we don't get the fouls call against him, this could be another monstrous block night. And they, they average 5.2 blocks per game. So certainly that's that's a scary number for us, considering what just happened to us in the UConn game. Yeah, and I mean, the one thing is we are more athletic than they are, and we have to hope that by them being back, they, they'll have to backpedal against us. And if we got him out of position, he is being that big, he's not going to be that quick on his feet. So if we get him out of position – especially Posh driving in, or even Mathis. Mathis, his body control is great and can really mess people up that way. We could get him in foul trouble real quick and all of a sudden get that big body out of the way. Yeah, Creighton with a 5.2 blocks game makes him 30th in the country. Um, hopefully, they do call fouls on, on him for you know blocking and stuff like that when we drive on them but we'll see if that actually happens and hopefully Wusu will realize if he keeps driving and keeps getting blocked by him he should probably stop um but Creighton is as everybody's as you guys have said they're not the Creighton of old and they're you know they're not the best three-point shooting team and they're a good team but they, they have a lot of talent and they're very young uh like we said in our well, like I said in our preview um, they have like the best recruiting class they've had in the history of their school. Like they have the most, I think the first, the top four recruits I've ever gotten. Like, I think they have like one or two five stars and a four star, or maybe it's one five star and three four stars, but it's the best recruiting class they've ever had is this past season. Um, and then their fifth guy, their fifth best, you know, prospect ever is a sophomore right now. So they got like a very young, talented team. So they're, decent they're on the you know they're on the lower end of the biggies but they're going to be a good team going forward especially after the next you know, this season so next season they'll be really really good to your point nick last yes year's recruiting class was four espn top 100 kids well their top scorer and top rebounder is ryan hawkins and if you take a gander over into his espn photo he looks like the grad uh, assistant not a player so Hopefully, uh, 
being six seven, Julian plays against him like he's doing a pickup game. Not to shift gears completely, but to shift gears completely. <laughs> Playing in Omaha is is no joke. Uh, their average attendance is sixteen thousand two hundred seventeen. Uh, that I've been to that arena many times. It is a it is a loud ruckus arena that they pack and you know they do a really good job of making it a hostile atmosphere they've only lost two games there this year those two losses were to a ranked iowa state team and to colorado state who's 13 and one they've beaten villanova at home when they were number nine in the country they've beaten byu at home when they were ranked so again this team is a team that is you know, a middle of the pack team, but it's a little bit different playing in Omaha than when you get them on the road. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I've been there a couple of times too, when I was a manager and I remember what's nice about the, uh, about playing there is their hotels connected to oh, the yeah. arena it's the uh, best. because because it's always like negative 14. Like we play there is literally negative 14. They got we didn't bridge. have to go outside. So it was yeah. absolutely fine. They got a bridge that connects it to the hotel. Yeah. It's amazing. But there's nothing else to do out there because one, it's freezing. Nobody wants to be outside, and it's just, it's Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, hey, hey. I, I, I don't hear on Omaha. Right? I've been to Omaha probably about ten times. It's, it's not a terrible place. They've got some good restaurants in yeah. the downtown area. Yeah, yeah all their sports today. Well, Vince, they don't have any. They don't have any major. Uh, they don't have any pro sports. So that's Creighton's their pro sport. Yeah, Creighton is exactly, their pro sport. Yeah. exactly. So they love it. Well, talking about Omaha, Vincent, where would you rank Omaha for stakes? Omaha, so mm, not the brand, not the brand Omaha steaks, which are also good if you like them at home. But um, <laughs> uh, Omaha overall, I mean, their steaks are pretty good. I mean, like it, in a state and across the country. So the best steak I've ever had was in San Antonio, Texas. I had a smoked steak, which was just incredible. Um, but Omaha is up there, though. I'd have to say they're probably in the top five just because not to be whatever i mean the meat's fresh and you know they know they know how to, how to work with it right i mean that's 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 their thing so they they did a really good job there is some good restaurants in downtown omaha that really uh you know they know how to cook a steak correctly and it's it tastes really delicious but nick is not completely wrong outside of the casino which is technically in iowa there's really not much else to do besides go to a restaurant and bar and then watch the Creighton Blue Jays. Although you can watch the Omaha hockey team, who's always ranked in the top 25 as well. But they don't play at the same arena anymore. They used to share that arena, but now they've Omaha's hockey is too good. They built their own arena uh-huh. on campus. Not Creighton hockey, Omaha hockey. Because Omaha is such a big city, it gets two colleges. <laughs> also, one more thing I want to say about Creighton. The, uh, them being a middle-of-the-pack team in the Big East, like we've talked about, they're still a very good team. <laughs> Yes. A middle of the pack team in the Big East. That's how good this conference is, top to bottom. Yeah. Middle of the pack team in the Big East is a tournament team. So this is yeah. not, I, mean, I know we said that, but that's not to diminish how good Creighton actually is. I mean, they're 10 and 5. They have some big wins. Their team, it's. Um, they're most likely a tournament team. For sure. For sure. I mean, they're, uh, they're I mean, not only again, they, they, they're 10 and 5, but their losses are not bad losses. They're lost at Xavier, at Villanova. Those are both quad one losses if you count it that way lost to iowa state lost to iowa state at home when they're ranked uh, a loss to arizona state which is not a great loss uh, but a loss to colorado state which colorado state being a good team 
yeah, I mean, you're right, Craig, 100%. We I talk about s- them because it's the middle of the pack of the Big East that we have to beat them. But the truth of the matter is Creighton's most likely going to be a tournament team. We just have to beat them because if we want to be in the tournament, these are games we need to win. Exactly. When 70, when 70% of your league is going to make the tournament, the right half, you know, there's two teams in the bottom half that are going to make the tournament. Right. It's a great predicament to have. One of the big things that we're going to be seeing in this game, if the stats stay true, we always cause people to have higher turnovers than their regular number. And we usually see around like 11 and 12 turnovers per game. Crayon averages 14.7. So that, that looks like prime picking right there. Matchup alert. Wee woo, wee woo. I mean, Nick, you talk about teams in the lower half of the Big East being tournament teams. Seton Hall is currently ninth in the Big East. They're no doubt going to be a tournament team. <laughs> So right. it, it's just a matter of the, it's just a matter of the conference, right? I mean, but nonetheless, I kind of think for us, like we talked about, make or break for the season. This is it. I mean, this is going to be the game where that decides. Okay, are we for real? Are we going to make a push for the tournament, or are we going to make a push for the NIT? It's an absolute critical game for that. I, I, this week, this week is critical. I, I think I think this week is critical, but I, I think this game in particular. Yep, yeah, is. because like like we're, we're like if we lose to well, Seton Hall, Seton Hall's a very is much a better team than Creighton. But if we like Creighton's, we should be Creighton. Like you I, said, I just, this is I a just, game that we think we should win that other people don't think we should win. And now it's a sir. game to show people that like it's, we're serious. I also it's, think this game dictates what happens in the Seton Hall game. Games, sorry. Yeah, we get, we get, especially after the Georgetown win. If we can beat Creighton at Creighton, we keep that momentum going. It could be huge. Yeah. But just also, too, like, in terms of this week, I think we need to win. I think we need to go two and three on this week. And, and so that it's hard to beat a team twice within the span of 70-something hours. Yeah, I mean, that's – 72 that, hours, that's, I think. Right. It's so, actually – I think it's, like, within 60 hours. But, but so my point is getting the win at Korean is critical to, to have that positive week. That's and fair. We need to have that positive week. That's fair. I, just, I think even more so than either of the Seton Hall matchups, this Creighton game – is critical because we have the momentum coming in from Georgetown and it's going to set the pace for the rest of the schedule and mainly for the rest of this week heading into that. Now that first game, the other thing is that first scene hall game is at home. So that's why you really want to win this Creighton game. Now you've got the Georgetown Creighton momentum. You're at home against Seton hall. You're pumped up quad one game. Here you go. Right. Then if you lose the following Monday to Seton hall at Seton hall in a Walsh gym, you're like, okay, we lost in their on-campus arena to a ranked team. Well, they're not ranked anymore, but to a, to a quad one team. Okay, that's not bad after having just beat them and beat Creighton before that. So that's why I think the critical game is Creighton. It leads us into the rest of the weekend. All right, so let's take a look ahead to those doubleheader Seton Hall games. Creighton, Wednesday, 7 p.m. at Fox Sports 1. Then... Saturday at noon on Fox Sports 1 as well. First game against Seton Hall at home in Madison Square Garden. We will also play Seton Hall on Monday. That's at Seton Hall, but not at the Prudential Center. It'll be at Walsh Gym, which is on their campus. That game's at 9 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. So it's kind of a unique scenario where you're playing the same team twice within, you know, I think it's like 60-something hours, so less than 72 hours. You know, it's going to be an interesting matchup. But again, this is a COVID makeup game from when we missed them earlier in the year. Seton Hall coming in 
11 and five on the season, currently sitting at two and four in conference. They're ninth in, in the league, which I just talked about. They won't have another game before us because they're supposed to play Providence, but Providence is in the pause. So they're going to be coming off of a two losses at DePaul, which was a real letdown game for them. And then at Marquette, where we talked about a little bit of a James breeding issue, a little bit of a ref issue, but it's a loss nonetheless. So they're coming in two losses now coming to play us at Madison square garden. So they may be coming in really prepared and ready to win after coming off those two losses. They may be, you know, even though they had a week off, maybe really hyped up for this game and we'll see what we get. We'll see what we get on Saturday. Seton Hall led by Jared Roden, 16.6 points a game. He also averages 6.8 rebounds per game. He's kind of their do it all guy. Bryce Aiken, also the only other player averaging double-digit points, 14.5. He's no one to, to sleep on either, 35% from three-point range. Seton Hall has always been a problem for us recently, and you know this is another good Seton Hall team. Although only two players average in double digits, there's an additional six to those two who average more than five points. They're a team that can score, and they're a team that has seemingly matched up well against us for the past few years. And, you know, this Kevin Willard team looks to be doing exactly the same thing again. So after the Creighton game, going into this game, it's a good look for us in terms of how we're going to compare to the, you know, kind of top tier Big East teams. CNO also has Kadari Richmond. Um, he went off against UConn. He had 27 points in that game. And then he followed against DePaul with 11. Uh, he didn't do so great against Marquette with only four. But if he, you know, he looked, he was hot. He was real hot against UConn and he, he won the game for seeing Hall in that game. So it's going to be tough if Kadari Richmond is, has another game like he does did against UConn. And then we have to defend him, Aiken and Roden. Yeah. I worry a little bit about miles kale. He, he seems to be a guy that just plays really well against St. John's. He's a, a senior four of the past five games. He's played against us. He's hit double digits and the guy, even though he is averaging 8.7 points a game, he can score. That number does not match his skill. Also, the person that I'm turning to matchups for us, like Obiagu, is going to be someone to watch. He's he's averages 3.4 blocks a game. Um, and after maybe it's just having flashbacks from the UConn game, but um, that's something we definitely want to watch out for. Uh, Seton Hall does – not turn the ball over much. Um, they're second in the beast in terms of lowest amount of turnovers, only averaging about 11 a game. Um, so hopefully we can speed them up on that. Um, but they, like you said, they have a couple, they have some good guards. Um, so they tend to not turn the ball over. So that's something we're going to have to work on and, and really push the pace on them. If we really want to you know, have a turnover battle, which we need desperately. They also do a pretty good job of turning people over. They average about 13 turnovers, for opponents per game. So that is something, you know, we've struggled with in the past this year. So that keeping that number low for us will be good. Rebounds, another thing that could be a little scary in this game. They've got a plus five margin for rebounding and they average about 39 a game, which is, <clears throat> which is certainly towards the higher number of, of rebounds we get per game. So that could be somewhere we struggle, uh, which, you know, always is not great. Their leading rebounder is Yetna, who's I'm pretty sure that's the guy from uh, transfer from South Florida that we yeah, tried to get. It is, and he was uh, I think he 
averaged a double-double when he was transferring from South Florida, and that was one of the big things about him, or he was one of the guys averaging like 8-8 and or something like that. Just to go back one second, too, Seton Hall, 5.5 blocks per game. They're even better than Creighton, who is 30th in the country. So, you know, that, to Craig's point, is going to be something we, sh- we need to be concerned about because if we don't want to get a repeat of the UConn game where we just go down and get swatted, we're going to have to make sure we're aware of that. Yeah, I think another good that's, – that's a very good point. But what I think is an even more important set is that they are tied for 414th in the country with 10.6 assists per game, which means that, you know, they play hero ball a lot and one guy does all their scoring. And with our, you know, trapping defense and chaotic defense and 40 minutes of hell, that could be a really big issue for them. There is one big positive compared to what we had to deal with last year. There's not a 6'11 guy dribbling the ball, doing spin moves and making us look like idiots. <laughs> An NBA player. He's on the Bucks now. <laughs> yeah. Important thing for them also, Seton Hall is ranked 30th in the net. So both the home game and the away game will both be quad one opportunities for us as well. So three quad one opportunities for us this week. Um, big, that's like we, th- like we talked about, crucial week here for St. John's. Yeah, I mean, this this is the make-or-break week for us. You know, we went two out of three, and now we've got a four-and-three Big East record. We're, you know, certainly now in the, in the top half of the league there. And, you know, now we certainly start to build some momentum. You know, a good win against Georgetown, win against Creighton, one of two against Seton Hall. You're going to need it heading into an at-Villanova home versus Providence week. You know, that's that's what you got coming down the pike. So you, you build, build momentum in these three games and it could do you really well in those set of games. I just think also it just be realistic um, playing Seton Hall in that quick time frame. It's it, the likelihood is of a split. It's going to be I hard mean, yeah. for either of those teams to, to win twice. Look, I hope we win both. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, and I hope we don't lose both. So I hope, you know, whatever. But it's a likelihood. It's like a doubleheader in baseball, right? Most times, doubleheader in baseball turns out to be a split. Sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of times it does, just because of the way the game flows, the bounces flow, stuff like that. So playing them that close to that, that's why the creating game is, is crucial, because I think we need to go two and three this week at minimum. We go three or three, great, but two or three is what we need. I have a little line for this game with Bryce Aiken. Six and a half attempted threes for each game. Individually. Yep. I'll take the over. We, 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 we're good at leaving people open for threes. He'll take his shots. I'm taking the under. Six is a lot. Tim, what are you taking? I'm going to go splits. First game, over. Second game, under. Real fence rider. I love it. Well, he averages 4.5 assists a game. I mean, assists a game, excuse me. A, a Three-point attempts a game. Um. Yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I don't think he's going to go under for both. I think, I think they're going to have shooting troubles at Walsh Gym because they don't, they don't even practice there. I guess yeah. they do practice there. They practice there. I, I yeah. think he's going to want to show up on uh, at the garden, so I think he'll go heavy. I think he'll probably shoot about eight threes. There's nothing we. There's the only thing we do better than leaving people open for three is missing layups. I like his chances of getting seven attempts. All right, so Seton Hall doubleheader Saturday noon at Madison Square Garden, then Monday, 9 p.m. at Walsh Gym on the campus of Seton Hall University. Yep, make sure you're watching FS1 because if you hear a 
St. John's fan going absolutely crazy in Walsh Gym, that is 100% going to be me because I am a Seton Hall student. I go to law school at Seton Hall, and it's only Seton Hall students allowed at the game. And as law school, we sometimes get tickets. So if you hear anybody going absolutely crazy and trying to mess them up during free throws, especially during free throws, it's definitely me. It was like the time Vincent was in the uh, student section of Seton Hall when he went there, rocking the red jersey, and you just looked down TV, and there was student That's section, it. red jersey. That'll be like, Nick. Just keep an one, eye out. Got to keep the tradition alive. The one drop of blood in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't do us very well then. Hopefully we get a better turnout this time. One more thing. The last Biggie's men's basketball game played in Walsh Gym was March 2nd, 1985 against UConn, where they won 85 to 80. And in that same year, they played St. John's there. That was the last time we played them. Do you know what we were ranked? We were ranked, no, we were ranked number one that year because it was 1985. That's the, that's yep. the final four year. Oh, yep. yeah. I thought that's where you're going. I thought that's where you're going with it, Nick, to be honest, when you started at that point. Oh, no, no. I just, I didn't even, re- I didn't even, 85, of course. I'm an idiot. Played a lot of great, played a lot of great teams in Walsh Gym in that year. They got Georgetown and Villanova also, probably. Those are probably their main stadiums, still, or their main. Yeah, well, that, yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. All Where... those, those are the th- three of the four Final Four teams you're talking about. That's true. Eighty-five. What was it after that? Continental or? No, I think Izod. That's Continental. Same arena. You guys are talking about the same thing. You just got two <laughs> different names for it. It was no, Continental. No, yeah. Continental is where the Nets used to play. Correct. Then it then Izod. became the Izod Center. <laughs> oh, same, same arena. I'm sorry, I'm confusing Izod and Rock. That's yeah. Oh uh, yeah, no, no. You I'll, guys were talking about the same arena. I'll yeah. take New Jersey. I'll take New Jersey arenas for five hundred, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's you guys are both correct. It was Continental, and then it became the Izod Arena. But that is where Seton Hall played after leaving Walsh Gym, and then Which now sucks. they've moved to the Prudential Center. <laughs> Continental was horrible. Nice point. Yeah. It had it had like its it. charm. I mean, compared to the Rock, it sucked. Well, yeah. Okay. I mean, it was also built like forty years before. I prefer the old Yankee Stadium compared to the new one. So absolutely, but that's see that's different. <laughs> yeah. That was about a hundred years before. You see, <laughs> it's, you hit a you hit a time limit, right? Like forty years. Like eh, when it's just a regular bet. I mean, it's the Nets Arena, so who really cares? But you know, the Yankee Stadium a little different. Demolishing Yankee Stadium made no sense. They demolished it and made it look the same exact thing. They literally just made it more corporate and added more suites so they can. No, it. it looks completely different. It doesn't look completely different. I mean, yeah, yeah you're absolutely. right. It looks much more. It's, you're it's right. It looks completely different. You, go, you lose the history of it, and it looks. It tries to still have that old historic feel without actually being historic. See, I disagree. I, I mean, I agree with you that they added more like corporate stuff. I mean, it, listen, I, I'm a guy who thinks the new Yankee Stadium is really just a mall, but they it looks completely different and has a completely different feel. The old Yankee Stadium, the what made it great was how closed off it was. Now everything's about open open stadiums, right? In Yankee Stadium, the point is you come up the stairs, you can see the fields from everywhere. Everything's open air. You know, the old Yankee Stadium, you used to not be able to see a thing until you walked out of the tunnel and saw the field, which is what made it great. You're right, Nick, in that that feeling is gone. But they, they didn't – it doesn't look exactly the same. It looks very, very different, I think, to its detriment. Yeah, I guess you're right. They still have the uh, – they replicated the, the what's-it-calls on the top of the stadium. The well, facade, yeah, they, they replicated that. Compared to Yankees to Mets, Mets made a nice real upgrade on that one. Well, yeah, I, city, wait, city Field is there. Hold on a second, though. I mean, as, as a Mets it, fan, I got to say City Field is. Yeah, well, city, city Field's great. I'm but, saying but, old the, the, Yankee Stadium is better than new Yankee Stadium, but 
Shea is not as good as. Sid. Yeah, but that's a low bar. I mean, oh, you know, Shea. Shea was fine. Ooh. I mean, that, that wasn't a dig at Shea Stadium. My point is just there's no way the Yankees could ever have made a stadium as good as the old Yankee Stadium, whereas the Mets had a better opportunity of making a better stadium, which is what they did. City Field, was there. City Field is the best baseball stadium in New York, no doubt. I, I, I love City that. Field. Yeah. Oh, it might be the best stadium in the country, to be honest. To, to would, say, behind Sarah oh, Field is amazing. I, I just think it was a lower bar to, to start from. So. Are you sure it's the best stadium in New York? What about the uh, no? It's Toronto absolutely. Blue... The... What about the Toronto Blue Jays, where they played <laughs> in that one uh, stadium in Buffalo? <laughs> I said, yeah, no. I drove past no, it. No. It was a sweet stadium. I like ten. City Field is, is, is better than New Yankee Stadium, no doubt. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt. However, 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 the single best food item at either of the stadiums is the LaBelle steak sandwich at Yankee Stadium. City Field food is way better across the board, but the LaBelle steak sandwich is better at Yankee Stadium than any food item in either of the two stadiums. Vincent, big steak guy. Yeah, but (laughs) City's got some sneaky things in there. They're nachos, they're chicken parm sandwich. There's some real sneaky things. As a whole, City Field has better food. Oh, yeah. Peppers and onions. City Field peppers and onions. I tell it when you come off of the escalator. They've got better food, but the LaBelle steak sandwich, if you wait in line with it, to get it, it's 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 the single best food item at any stadium in New York. Going at a more uh, lower level, I'm not as fancy as getting steaks all the time, steak sandwiches. But they got that uh that chicken slider bucket. That's pretty sweet too. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Twenty bucks or the, or the chicken finger bucket. Yeah, twenty bucks for that. That's I mean that's that's a that's steal. Bang that's for steal. your buck. Pound you of get. fries, pound of fries, and when you buy eight, your sixteen dollar beer, you get a twenty dollar bucket. <laughs> <laughs> It would be great that you could get refilled with Budweiser instead. Since we're talking about stadium food, now that we're on this topic, because here we are. Uh, daily, daily burger. burger. <laughs> the daily burger. <laughs> Fantastic. You know what? Sneaky, sneaky Madison Square Garden. I don't know if they still have it because I haven't been to a game this year yet there. Uh, they had a chicken teriyaki bowl, which was absolutely spectacular. Not weird thing at a weird basketball stadium. Weird thing to have. I went there one day after work, though. We had a late night game and I was like, wow, actually, this is kind of perfect for dinner. Let me try it. And sneaky. It was delicious. So kudos to them if they're still they, open. They also if not, that RIP. Hot dog stand, that uh, like the massive hot dog stand with like crazy condiments on it. It's uh, it's pretty much like on the opposite side of where uh, Daily Burger is on the uh, the Mill Rose Mill mm-hmm. section. Mm-hmm. I, I did. I did also about. like also <laughs> now we're talking about Madison Square Garden <laughs> a little bit. They have the deal at the pizza place. I don't know why it's the pizza place. You go to the pizza place, though, you can get nine pigs in a blanket. You get the nine of the mini hot dogs. Really? Oh, yeah. I saw that little uh-huh. sleeve you had. Yeah, oh, I've, I've gotten it before. Oh, yeah. That's they come sweet. on the skewer. I don't know why it's at the pizza place. doesn't make sense. <laughs> also a good also a good appetizer if you're if you're in this if you're looking for some little hot dogs also at the at the msg they have the waffle fries you can get oh, all kinds of crazy fries. stuff on top first of all the waffle fries alone are delicious but they also now you can have toppings on there you can do like a chicken bacon ranch one a pulled that, pork one uh that's, all kinds that's of the ones. hot dog spot that does oh it. that's what you're talking about yes and they do, right, they do right, waffle right. fries and hot dogs you're right oh, wow so, i gotta sorry, yeah. i gotta venture over on that side i haven't been there craig and i dwell in those waters uh we split the waffle fries with, I think, like buffalo chicken or something like that. Yeah. It was insane. I mean, the fries are great. I haven't, I haven't had it with stuff on it, though. That's It's a meal. It is. It sounds like. It's all you need. Hey, but nothing beats popcorn. I'm a simple man. I like popcorn. 
See, I like I, you know what? I, I even like popcorn or carne seca because you know I what? love popcorn. Popcorn is always great. Buttery popcorn is no. always great. I, I don't love use popcorn. salt and butter on a lot of things. That's terrible. Popcorn, I use but, is the maximum amount of salt and butter on it. Because I mean that, that's what you're supposed to do. The fact that do. you don't use butter and salt on a lot of food is just disappointing. <laughs> popcorn is delicious, and stadium popcorn is always a step below air pop at home popcorn, but soft pretzels at the stadium, straight fire. I'll get a soft pretzel at even at Carnesecca, the twist pretzel they got there. Delicious. I mean, Carn- I, I think Carnesecca is failing with the idea of not having. They had for a little bit the sponsored pizza, where they had like a branded pizza. They did. They had. Well, they, they had, they, the they, had the, they had little barbecue stand at one point, right in the front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they got. Mm-hmm. I think that's gone now too. Uh, we got I think, it's, good I, think it's a, I think it's a certain game sponsorship. Yeah. I think that restaurant sponsors and they're there certain games. Yeah. yeah I'm saying, but I'm saying for at behind the. Uh, the stands in the, the little oh, section. Oh, like in the in the concession they, place. They should utilize that because they had the little spot on the side where it was just with that a pizza tra- place. It I know like what you're talking 7-Eleven about. Yeah. trays. It mm-hmm. just doesn't look appetizing. You see a slice there in the back because they have was a storm burger or something like that. No one wants that really. You, you get a fresh slice from one of the pizza places around there. People are going to buy that. Yeah. I don't know. Carnesecca food way low on the list. That's Madison what I mean. Square Garden food though. Just so. the popcorn. Well, yeah. Only the popcorn. Not the not the option at MSG. You know, one other stadium that I have to say, going along with the chicken teriyaki theme, is when we were at the Miami Dolphins Stadium, which is Hard Rock Stadium. We were there for Miami Hurricanes game. They have a Benihana's in stadium, so literally you go and you can order almost anything. They had fried rice. They had chicken with fried rice, hibachi steak, teriyaki steak, hibachi shrimp, hibachi scallops. They had everything. It was spectacular. I mean, it was great. I got chicken fried rice in like the third quarter. It was, it was, that was, I don't know how we get that, but if we could work that into <laughs> one of the stadiums, that would be great too. I love maybe, maybe the, but I don't know if I really want that at a basketball game. I don't know. It, I don't I know. It was great at the football game. Game. football game. Maybe yeah. the- how, about, how about a car in second instead of the kid that's screaming water and Coke? <laughs> well, since they can't do that right now, but. We had the water coke guy have a little hibachi table on him. <laughs> if, it was St. John's, if it was St. John's, it's got to be yeah. Miko's. That's right around. That's the what corner. I was going to say. Yeah. I gonna, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. It should be Miko's. It's right there. Yeah, they can uh, squirt that the sake. Awesome. Yeah, they do uh, the sake there. It's not Benihana. By the care. way, Tim, Tim, don't hate on the, the coke and water kid, all right? Hey, I, I love that's pure you effort know, right there. You know it's a big game at St. John's when they got the kid with the backpack with the two sides where you can pull the drink. That's how you know St. John's had a big game. Water coke. Coco water. 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 Love it. I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> yeah, you know, after all this food talk, who knew we were doing food reviews today, huh? Now, I know. Who knew? I would have prepared better. Can't wait to the 22nd. I'm going to like try eat different things so I can talk about it. A yeah, college basketball and a food podcast? What? We're just gonna. We're just gonna. We'll have to. We'll have to put the food on the Instagram. <laughs> on the 22nd, we'll just have to. We'll have a you know a smorgasbord of all the food we try out and. Make sure we taste everything. I'm telling you, though, chicken teriyaki at Madison Square Garden. Sounds strange. You need a fork to eat it, though. You're so bougie, Vincent. Not really. I just... Your steak burgers, your teriyaki chicken. It's the finer things. You're a sushi man. You probably get that there, too. (laughs) Hey, listen. Sometimes, you know, it's nice to splurge on the food a little bit. It's going to cost you a lot of money anyway. You might as well get something good for it. You might as well treat yourself. All right. That'll do it for the show this week. For Craig, Tim, and Nick, I'm Vincent. Thanks for listening. Go Johnnies. Keep chasing.